Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Crypto News Podcast. We are buzzing as always, folks. Still coming in hot from Mexico, and my guest is coming in hot 13 hours ahead of me in the beautiful Hong Kong. Today, we have Kenny Lee on the show, and I'm super pumped to get into this one. Kenny is the co-founder of P0X Labs and core contributor for the one and only Manta network that is absolutely on fire right now, buzzing all over the place, blowing up everywhere. We love to see that. Prior to this, Kenny received an MBA from MIT in 2020. While at MIT, he was a teaching assistant for several courses, mainly blockchain-based, and worked with the Digital Currency Initiative, also known as DCI. He is a successful entrepreneur and has started, advised, and invested in startups for over a decade. And I'm super pumped to have him on the show. Kenny, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing? Thank you very much. Really excited to be here. And thanks for taking the time to chat with me, Matt. Super pumped to have you on. We got to start with the obvious here. You are, I believe this is episode number 309. We've done 309 episodes and you are the first ever guest to come on this show with a pair of meta glasses. I've seen you again. I got to do my, got to do my homework, got to do my DD. I always lurk my guest, mainly Twitter because it's the best place for alpha, best place for info. And I've seen you take selfies before without a phone. I'm like, how is this guy doing this? I've seen you take content and put some beautiful content on X without a phone. And I was like, what the heck? Like, what is this kind of Matrix-esque stuff going on? And it's because of the glasses. You got to give us the lowdown. When did you get them? How sweet are they? Do you recommend them? I want the whole pitch. I want the whole lifestyle. Why do you rock them? How much do you love them? Yeah, so I I really, really enjoy them. Um, in fact, you know, these glasses have been quite a lifesaver in many moments when, you know, you just want to enjoy the moment, but you also want to capture the moment. It's an amazing alternative. In fact, far superior to sticking a phone in front of your face and then watching the moment through the phone as you record. Um, And then on top of that, right, like it's it's got integrated microphones right here. And so it actually has much better noise canceling when you're speaking um, compared to like AirPods. And so when I use my glasses to take calls, people often say, oh, wow, you sound much better than with AirPods on. And so I think the audio quality is much better. And then on top of all that, it records in amazing HD quality. I mean, you've seen the videos, right? You've seen the 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 content. And so, you know, it speaks for itself. I, I think like this is really cool because uh, apart from my cell phone, right, like this is probably the next technology that I likely use the most on a day-to-day basis. And then um, also it's customized with my dual wielding rubber bands so that it doesn't fall off my face. So it's very <laughs> active as well. Yeah. So. I love it. And just again, no free ads. I mean, this is a massive free ad for Meta here. We're going to have to call Zuck and get him to sponsor the pod next. But how do they work? Like, how do you, is it just a quick little tap? Are you doing weird shit like with the new? Uh, do you see the blinking? Oh, the light. Yeah, yeah. That's all it is. So actually it's in the process of connecting Bluetooth to my phone every time I put it on. But then because this battery is dead, right, like it's not going to actually do anything. But usually there's a button right here. Uh, See this? That's a button. All you have to do is click it and it'll, for me, I set it. So if I click it, it'll automatically start shooting video up to 60 seconds. And then if I hold it for like one and a half seconds, it'll take a photo instead. So cool. Wow. Electric. All right. Zuck, free ad. Hit us up. You owe us one. Now, now to the star of the show yourself. And 
Manta. Let's get right into Manta here. The growth has been absolutely incredible over the last, I mean, I feel like over the last six, seven, eight, nine months, you guys have really, really taken off. It's been front of mind on a lot of people. And another thing I'd love to get into, we can get into this later, but the amount of fake emails I got from people trying to impersonate you guys for the for different Manta airdrops has been absolutely bonkers. Like all over Twitter, all over email. And I know you guys are obviously combating that, but just that's one of the things that pisses me off about crypto. Because if you're not too savvy and you know you get an email and it looks pretty darn legit and it's just like and and the thing I don't get is it didn't even go to my spam folder like how did it mm-hmm. get into my main inbox too crazy 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 but we'll get into that later start us off with the elevator pitch for Manta why you and your team decided to create this what your gig is as a core contributor there and then we'll get into some of the fun stuff sure yeah so I I'm Kenny I'm one of the co-founders of P0X Labs, core contributor to Manta as well. And on the Manta side, I'm primarily responsible for the marketing, the marketing and the operations. Um, And so, um, you know, Manta, we've been building Manta for the past three years. And so in those three years, two and a half of them were primarily focused on the tech and the development. And so that's why most people haven't heard of us until recently. I think that once we realized that, you know, this project is pretty much good to go, we shifted gears and really pushed hard on the marketing side. And so in the in the, the past, probably the last two months before, you know, our whole TGE, then it was just very much focused on, you know, trying to get as much buzz out there as possible so that we can start getting users. Uh, by the time that we started marketing, the L2 was already up for about six months. And, you know, it's since grown to become the largest modular L2. It's the third largest Ethereum L2, just under Optimism and Base. I mean, Optimism Crazy. and Arbitrum. And uh, it's got over 180 ecosystem projects deployed today. So, um, you know, we, we did experience a tremendous amount of growth in a very short amount of time. Really, you know, blessed and lucky to have had that experience and had that community support, project support, and we're we're also the first L2 to actually leverage Celestia, which was pretty cool because you know Celestia is uh, they just went mainnet as well, and so they're an yeah. untested technology uh, to some degree. But you know, with Manta, we're able to essentially save all of our users 1.5 million dollars in gas fees over just the past month using Celestia. So that's wow. almost like $20 million in savings and gas fees over the course of a year, right? So like it's it's pretty cool that we're able to leverage all those technologies. And I think that, you know, the way that we build Manta, which is very product focused and user oriented, like allows us to actually integrate services like Celestia and be early adopters in order to kind of deliver that value. What was it like getting up to the number three L2 that quickly? Like it's sort of bonkers, you know, again, because every day I'm doing my DD, I'm looking at new protocols coming out, new chains, new X, new Y, new Z, and started seeing it sort of late Q3, early Q4 last year, this year, you guys are absolutely popping off and it's just like Manta, 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 Manta. What was it like growing that quickly? And And I don't know if this was the first time you've been a part of something that's grown this quickly, but you guys ate up a lot of market share in a very minuscule amount of time. I'd love if you could share maybe some of the, you know, a bit of the secret sauce or some of the things you guys did that really helped you get that moonshot. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, first off, I would be basically lying and bluffing 
if I told you that we were expecting this result in the first place and all of this was planned and it was a mastermind achievement, right? Because the reality <laughs> is, Chad, it wasn't that way at all, right? Like at the end of the day, all it was was a really dedicated team that worked really hard to try to get the best outcome that we could. And the best outcome exceeded all of our expectations, right? Like when we first started our campaigns, we were thinking, okay, we're going to grow this to like 200 million in TVL. But then over the course of those three weeks, it just became unstoppable. And, you know, we were also making adjustments on the fly and it was just quite a, a weird adventure. It truly was like that analogy where you're like trying to fly a plane while fixing the engine or like trying yes. to steer a boat while plugging the leaks, you know? So yeah. like yeah. it was is quite a quite a hectic time. But yeah, the tremendous growth was, I think, you know, looking back retrospectively, definitely thinking about like um bringing in novel experiences, right? I think like before us, uh, Blast had introduced yield-bearing assets. And, you know, I think yield-bearing assets are definitely a huge value proposition to users, especially for L2s. And so uh, that's something that we wanted to pursue as well. And this is something that we talked to a lot of our partners on, uh, including Binance, uh, who, you know, actually gave us the idea to actually pursue something like this. And so from there, Hmm. we went to the drawing board and we're like, okay, you know what? Like, let's see how we can make this happen. And so, you know, we looked a lot at how Blast had um, thought about their whole campaign, right? And like, if you even look at our campaign language, we poke a lot of fun at Blast, but, you know, it's just, you know, fun, good-natured fun. Yeah, because, no malice, uh, no malice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I respect the team a lot. And uh, I think that what they did was really amazing. And so, you know, we wanted to take that and think about like, how would this look on a live L2? Right. Like, how would it look if you could actually do this and then give it to 180 ecosystem applications? So that's exactly what we did. So we launched New Paradigm, which was, you know, our yield bearing asset campaign, introducing our yield bearing assets to the world. And that just snowballed. It was pretty insane. Yeah. Uh, no, the, it's so true and so crazy. We got to get into modularity. You and the team sure. are like, for a lack of better words, you guys are all horned up for modularity. And I absolutely love <laughs> it. You guys love modularity. And I think this is one of the reasons why you guys have such a loyal community because you don't just build really good tech and very useful products, but you do it in a fun way. Um, you know, almost, I don't want to say like an Elon Musk, but you guys do it and don't seem too serious about the biz, but also like to have fun too. And and I think that's something that not enough people do in crypto. And kudos to you guys. I love seeing that. But modularity as a whole, a bit of a complex word and can be very nuanced, has many different meanings. It's used in many different industries, but in specific, specific to blockchain, specific to crypto and specific to Manta, I'd love if you could go on a big old riff on the importance of modularity, the future of modularity, and why you guys are so horny for modularity. Yeah, sure. So I... I know modularity is definitely a term that's tossed around a lot these days. It's a huge buzzword, right? Like probably how ZK was like a year ago. But yeah, um, yeah. the whole philosophy, right? I, I I think modularity right now, you know, you 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 execute it in a technical manner, but modularity itself is more of like a philosophy, an approach to how to build. And so basically, right, there's two schools of thought when it comes to building things in Web3, especially on the infrastructure level, right? You build it monolithically or you build it modularly. When it comes to monolithic build-outs, right, that means that you do everything in-house. You basically build everything from scratch. But 
not necessarily everything, right? Because like even now, people still fork, you know, uh, OP stack and Arbitrum Orbit and like now Polygon CDK, right? And so you're not really starting from scratch. You're already kind of modular because you're already using those technologies. But then from there, you start building all these other components yourself. On the other hand, right, the other school of thought is more of a modular school of thought. And the modular school of thought says, you know, we're living in a world of blockchain now where there's all of these amazing services and technologies that other people are building out that are specialized services and technologies. And so instead of trying to do it all in-house, why don't we just take from these pieces and map those components and integrate them back into our systems? It's like, it's like building a computer, building a desktop. You know, like instead of soldering the circuit board yourself, you just buy a motherboard and then you buy a, a, a yeah. CPU and you buy some memory and you plug them in and you take out the old RAM and you plug it in with new RAM, right? And so like there's that, that plug and play sort of design that continually can improve your system over time so that your PC can be powerful today and in 10 years, right? That's really the modular approach. I think at the core of this, right, the mod modular approach is really all about being able to adapt to the ever-changing needs of the Web3 space. You know, I, I'll give you an example of like why this is so critical, because if you look throughout the history of blockchain, right, which is not too long compared to the history of everything else, but you start with Bitcoin. And then you get to this point in Bitcoin adoption where it starts to proliferate in terms of technology. And that proliferation is witnessed in the form of forks of Bitcoin. You've got Litecoin, yeah. you've got Digibyte and all these other things, right, that kind of emerge. And they say, oh, we're going to do better than what Bitcoin did by reducing the block size or, uh, or sorry, increasing the block size or reducing the speed, <laughs> reducing the block generation time, which increases the speed, <laughs> sorry. I gotta slow my voice down here. <laughs> but the point is that like they all built it monolithically, which meant that they forked Bitcoin and then they made some minor modifications in the tech and they just kind of ran with it and tried to compete against Bitcoin. But in the meantime, the Web3 space continued to evolve and the, the, the requirements and the value propositions and the needs of users continued to change up until the point where Ethereum was introduced. Right. And now we, it's not just about transfer of value, it's about computing. But yeah. those projects now, because they're building monolithically, they can't really adapt to this new value proposition. They're not Turing complete. They don't have VM environments. They can't have dApps deploy on them. And now, you know, we look back in 2024 and the dominant player is still Bitcoin, whereas all the other talent, all the other effort is kind of, you know, fallen by the wayside. The same thing happened with Ethereum, right? Ethereum comes out and then all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, we can build a better Ethereum, right? We can have yeah. EOS, we can have NEO, we can have QDOM, we can have all these other things, right? Ethereum killers, as they phrased it back in the day. And so now all of a sudden you have this proliferation again of multiple virtual machine environments, and they're all competing against each other, all building monolithically, all using pretty much the same code base, but making minor modifications to tell people why theirs is so much better. But at the end yeah. of the day, none of that mattered. And Ethereum's same around old. and everyone else is not. Same old, same old. Yeah. And and so now we're in we're in 2024. We're seeing the same thing happen. We're seeing the same thing play out, but with L2s. We have this proliferation of L2s, and you're either optimistic or you're ZK. 
And either way, you've got these minor sort of nuances in how you function, whether it's, you know, the period of contest for optimistic withdrawals for like fraud proofs and stuff. Maybe it's three days, maybe it's seven days or all these minor sort of nuances that like at the end of the day, the developers just want to deploy, right? Like they don't really care that much about the tech as much as they do about grants, as much as they do about community support and all this other stuff because they know at Ultimately, it's pretty much a commodity here, right? But the L2s, we're playing in such a space where we're taking a very monolithic approach and we're racing against time in order to try to fight each other on market share here. But what happens in 2027? What happens in 2030 when the the industry continues to evolve? How do you adapt at that time? I think that if you take the modular approach, then you are able to adapt because you can continuously take new technologies and integrate them into your systems. That's exactly what we did with Celestia, right? So when we first launched Manta Pacific back in, I think, August or September of last year, there was no Celestia mainnet. So we yeah. were fully just an OP stack-based chain. And then when Celestia came up and they launched mainnet, we integrated with Celestia. How? Because we took a very modular approach to our architecture, which allows us to, you know, take these types of technologies and plug them in specifically for the purpose of deriving further value for users. And so we were able well to transition into using Celestia for modular DA without having any downtime on our chain, without having any block production halt on our chain, without doing a hard fork, right? Everything was business as usual. No developers felt any changes, right? No one had to change any code. Uh, users didn't even notice, except the fact that gas fees were starting to fall. And so people started noticing that right away. But the point is that like, we integrated Celestia seamlessly. This year, we're switching over or migrating over to ZK EVM, again, taking that modular approach using Polygon CDK, and we're hoping to be seamless as well. Um, and in, that's just a testament to how we will continue to adapt in the future, right? Like being able to be modular, stay modular, take new technologies, plug them in, continue to transition Manta Pacific in such a way that it can continue to deliver value to users. That was absolutely electric. That was one of the best... Yeah, you, you might have taken the cake there for best description on, best description uh, on, on modularity. And best classes. <laughs> and best classes. That was electric. Um, Kenny, we've got to take a quick break and give a huge shout out to our sponsor of the show, Prime XPT. When we get back, we're going to keep talking about modularity and especially, obviously, Manta Pacific's new paradigm campaign and the adoption for widespread impacts. How do we make this happen? How do we get more people on board? And we'll get into some of the role of user experience in an L2 blockchain. Until then, huge shout out to Prime XPT, longtime sponsors of the Crypto News podcast and longtime friends of CryptoNews.com. We love Prime XPT as they offer a robust trading system for both beginners and professional traders. It doesn't matter if you're a rookie or a vet, you can easily design and customize your layouts and widgets to best fit your trading style. They've also given a sweet promo code that is CryptoNews50, CryptoNews50, all one word, to receive 50% of your deposit credited to your trading account. Again, that is CryptoNews50, all one word, to receive 50% of your deposit credited to your trading account. And now back to the show with Kenny. Kenny. You have been, again, you've sort of done the, you know, the podcast roadshow. You guys have done it all. One of the things I love that you speak about um, a lot, and this makes me think, is the fact that no blockchain can have all three tenets. And the three tenets are decentralization, scalability, and security. You can have all three, but they can't be perfectly balanced. 
I feel like this is almost impossible to do. You can get as close as humanly possible, as technologically possible, but you can't really nail them on the head and have a perfect 33-33-33 split. I'd love if you could talk about that, why it's such a, for lack of better words, shit show, why it's a bit of nightmare fuel, how you guys integrating with Celestia really helped get you as close as possible. But I'd love if you could talk about the three tenets of blockchain being decentralization, scalability, and security. Sure, yeah. So um, the interesting part about all three of these terms is that they're qualitative. Right. So, what is it? What does it mean to be decentralized? Right. Is there a measurement of decentralization? Yeah. You could argue that it's nodes. Right. But, like, how do you know which nodes are clustered and belong to one single owner? And, you know, what does that imply? Does it matter which geography it is? Does it have to be decentralized by geography or can it be more so weighted in that sense? Right. And so, like, the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that. I, I personally think that all of this is not a black or white, um, and it's not a day one type of scenario. I think it's an achievement that we're all aiming towards getting at, right? I, even in the L2 space right now, right? Like we all operate under a single sequencer model. And so that's about as centralized as it gets, right? <laughs> like it's, it's not exactly the most decentralized thing, especially when you compare it to like Bitcoin and Ethereum. And, yeah. uh, you know, at the sacrifice of that initial decentralization, right, there is that level of scalability in that sense. And then we all borrow the security from the underlying L1, um, as well as certain security assumptions in the L2, right? Whether you're a ZK rollup or if you're an optimistic rollup, um, there are definitely, um, you know, security trade-offs there. I don't think that, you know, necessarily deploying with Celestia gets us closer to decentralization from a technical standpoint. I'll talk to you more about it from like a, a project standpoint, but from the scalability standpoint, it definitely is improved. I'll give you an example here, which is, you know, there was this whole period of inscription craze and, you know, it started off in the Bitcoin ecosystem and then started jumping into the Ethereum ecosystem. And then when it started going through L2s, you know, there were inscriptions being minted on various different L2s and all of these L2s, most if not all of them, if I recall, had periods of downtime because of the yeah. massive overwhelming load from inscriptions. But uh, we didn't because we had massively increased throughput from Celestia and using Celestia helped us with being able to address that scalability issue. And so definitely that boosted the scalability. In terms of the decentralization, I think there's two points when it comes to decentralization. When when you say that word, I think most people think about the network itself, the the architecture, the nodes, the connectivity of the nodes, right? So like when you say Bitcoin is decentralized, right? You're decentralized in the sense that there's miners everywhere. But I think that the other component of decentralization is also who's contributing to the core technology that is being presented as the network, right? So Mm. with Manta Pacific, right? Like I think that component of decentralization is definitely being achieved because, you know, on the Manta side, right, like all of our core competency for the past two and a half years that we brought to the table with Manta Pacific is on the ZK side, and we can get into that later. But the data availability side, that's Celestia. The uh, settlement and security side, that's Ethereum, right? The scalability and part of the security side, that's OP stack. And so now all of a sudden, Manta Pacific is not one project built by a core 
team of contributors, but it's a project that is really the result of all the efforts that all these other individual components and the contributors of those components have been bringing to the table. So I think that's another component of decentralization that I think needs to be considered, right? Like how much of the project is built by the core contributors versus how much of the project is, you know, more so contributors from all around the world, whether they be part-time, full-time, or working on other projects that are implicating the the services on, you know, a, a network. So I think that's interesting as well. And then on the security side, yes, definitely, um, you know, things like, uh, OP stack right now, right? There's definitely some limitations yeah. on uh, trust assumptions, right? I think that's it's euphemistically referred to as trust assumptions, and <laughs> well, more practically referred to as security issues. And so yeah. <laughs> um, the 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 trust assumptions, right? For for OP stack is that um, you know it doesn't currently have fraud proofs. So technically, right, the sequencer can do and say whatever it wants, writing to the L1. And, you know, if there's no fraud proofs, there's no slashing, there's no penalties or anything, like there's not too much that can be done. And so there's this trust that all of the transactions are done correctly, right? Which also kind of implies that you do need a centralized sequencer at the moment. Because if you start decentralizing the sequencer and there's no guarantee that the sequencer is a good actor, then you run into a lot of problems. So I think like the security side can definitely be improved. And that's also one of the reasons why we're looking at transitioning over to ZKEVM, because then we're able to essentially prove a batch of transactions every time it happens, rather than just waiting until the withdrawal times. Well said. Ken, you're absolutely on fire now. I love how you brought up the qualitative points of those three tenets as well. Something that's always been front of mind, but I've never really thought about it. And it's so true. You can't really measure either of those three things. It's fully contextual and subjective in regards to how one or many think about those things, which is, again, an interesting topic. And when I uh, when I get outside and finally, you know, put the feet on pavement and touch grass and go for a walk today, or maybe touch sand and go for a walk on the beach. This kind of shit will be on my mind. So thank you for that. Now, another thing I'd love to jump into is the role of user experience, UX and AL2 context. Absolutely paramount, and in my opinion, besides sort of the three main tenants we talked about, and obviously the usability, this is really the most important thing. And I think this is one of the biggest issues with crypto and blockchain at the moment. Tons of incredible applications, protocols, blockchains, pieces of software, but using them is nightmare fuel. They are, it's just, it's an absolute shit show. It's very tough to use. For you guys, that is not the case. I'd love if you could explain the role of UX in crypto and more specifically in L2s and why you guys put so much emphasis in this in regards to Manta. Yeah, I I think there's another sort of delineation here. And uh, this is something that I, I think the industry is starting to recognize more and more, right? There's a difference between technology and product. And I think for mm, the, yes. the very large portion of the history of blockchain, we've been very much focused on technology, right? Like, which in its own right is a very, very impressive achievement, especially with all the innovation that we've had in this space. Um, at the same time, right, a technology is not a product. It is not something that you can just, you know, 
send out to people, right? There's a reason why cars look different, right? Like cars aren't just <laughs> bare metal engines with like wheels at the bottom, and, right? Because like they look different because they're different products. And I think, you know, what, what we like to think about at Manta as well is, you know, how are we, despite being an infrastructure, how are we also a product? So we take a very product-oriented mindset when it comes to thinking about user experience because I do think that um, the infrastructure layer has a lot of responsibility on the user experience as well because there's simply things that DAP developers just don't have control over. And that's exactly yeah. the problems that we had when we first created Manta because when we first created Manta, we actually started with Manta Atlantic, which is our substrate-based L1. And at first, we were thinking about deploying it as a decentralized application on top of uh, on top of Ethereum. But the issue is that there are a lot of things that we can't control for in Ethereum, and especially the zk proof generation, right? Like that was slow, expensive, and unfortunately, we we couldn't change anything about it. And so we decided, okay, we'll just build our own network and we'll make it as fast as we can. And now, even today, it's still the fastest zkl one. Um, in existence, right? Which is awesome. It's an amazing achievement that we love to, you know, brag about. But what's it matter, right? Because like <laughs> it's a, it's an L1 that does not have the tooling that everyone's familiar with. You can't use MetaMask, right? It doesn't have a VM environment, right? And so like there there are a lot of limitations here. Right now, what it is really amazing at is proving on-chain identity in a privacy-preserving manner. We have almost 100,000 users who are KYC'd on-chain that can prove that they're real users without revealing their wallet addresses, which is really That's cool huge. because you can't That's really massive. do that normally. But yeah, but at the same time, right? Like developers can't build applications on the L1. Um, there are limitations there. And so, you know, from a technology standpoint, we could have sat with our L1 and said, come to our ecosystem, like check it out. It's amazing. Just like bring massive users over and try to do that. But from a product perspective, we knew that was the wrong thing to do, right? Like, it's easy for people to mint identities on Manta Atlantic, which is exactly what it's used for. But it has limitations in other sides because it's not tiering complete. And so we decided, mm. okay, so if we're building a product, what do we need? We need users. And so users have to be the number one priority. And so where are the users? They're on Ethereum. In that case, what should we do? We got to move to Ethereum. <laughs> So we that's why we built and designed Manta Pacific. And you know, Manta Pacific, especially taking that L2 approach, allowed us a lot of flexibility on the architecture side, which enables us to be able to be modular, for example, right? And use Celestia and use Polygon and use OP stack. And so that's exactly what I what we did. And even in all of that, right, like Every decision we make in terms of the partnerships, the uh, campaigns on the marketing side, everything that we're doing is thinking about, okay, how does this improve the user experience, right? Like when we, when we brought over Celestia, the value proposition is clear. Users save a ton of money. That's amazing, right? And when we started with New Paradigm and introducing yield-bearing assets, the value proposition is clear. People are now going to be able to earn yield on yeah. assets that they otherwise couldn't have before, right? Yeah. And so, like, why Polygon CDK? People are going to have a much more secure environment than before, right? And I think, like, being able to answer those questions and, like, how those directly benefit the users are very important to us before we make any sort of decision, right? Like, we, we do get... 
inquiries and requests for like partnerships and integrations all the time. But, you know, when we're in those calls, the first thing we ask is what is the clear value proposition to the user? Right. And honestly, sure. I'm, I'm a little surprised at how often that question can't really be answered. And I think that is definitely an exemplary case of this is amazing technology, but it's not an amazing product. Right. And so um, that's something that we definitely distinguish between. Um, so, yeah. No, that was uh, very well said there. Um, we are getting a little tight for time here, Kenny. A couple more questions and we will wrap up. I'd, I'd love to get into your guys' work culture. Again, when lurking Manta and yourself on Twitter, you posted many photos of the team grinding, which appears to be late, late night. Maybe it's during the day. I don't know, but just scrappy, you know. 600 MacBooks on one dining room table, cords <laughs> everywhere, you know, fire hazard drinks. Yeah. <laughs> fire hazards, grinding away. I'd love if you could talk about sort of the, the culture at Manta, um, how much fun it is working together. And if you have any good stories of like, you know, grinding to hit deadlines or, or anything like that, we'd love if you could tell them. Yeah. I think, um, you know, the photo you're referring to, the fire hazard was that we, plugged an extension cord into the outlet and then plugged an extension cord on top of the extension cord. <laughs> no. No, so that's and 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 this was actually in Malaysia. So I don't know, you know, what the standards for, you know, the 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 electricity there is. But um yeah, so I mean, you know, the the past five months have probably been one of the most grueling times for the team. You know, we are a very decentralized team. We have people all over the world, 65 people all around the world. And, you know, being able to coordinate such a massive series of campaigns, right? The airdrop, the new paradigm, the TGE, the mainnet launch in such a short period of time, I think is like speaks volumes to the quality, the cohesiveness of the entire team, right? Like, I mean, is the the talent is definitely undeniable here. And, you know, like for the past five months. I'll tell you, I, I actually, I, I'm married and I haven't seen my wife for five months. I, I mean, Come I on. saw her last week. She came to Hong Kong. We met up in Hong Kong finally after five months. You know what I was doing in those five months? I was in Malaysia, you know, that, that desk you saw for five months with, with me, Victor, the other co-founder and eight members of the engineering team. And every single day, like night and day, right? We just grind it away. We just wake up, get to the table, work, and just like, you know. But but it was it was a very fun experience, despite it being so challenging in terms of all the all the things that we had to do, right? Like it was a really amazing bonding experience. And so I think that that also speaks a lot about the culture, right? Like I think especially recently with all these things happening, it is uh, a lot of pressure. People do make tons of sacrifices, right? Like a lot of us didn't get to celebrate Christmas. In fact, none of us got to celebrate Christmas this year because of the impending TGE. And so it was quite a lot of sacrifice. And we've seen this throughout all of Manta for the past three years, right? I know that people tend to think that after like a public sale or after an investment or something, whatever it may be, teams seem to trail off, but that's definitely not the case with us, right? Like, I don't think me nor Victor have taken a vacation in the past five years. And so, (laughs) you know, even right now, it's like Lunar New Year's in Hong Kong, and I'm here talking to you at 11 p.m., right? Yeah. (laughs) um, But, but, you know, I, I... 
I think like despite all this hard work, right? And um, you know, at times it is very stressful. I think the cohesiveness of the team has been what has been really the the glue in all this because otherwise like we wouldn't have made it this far, especially not under this much pressure. And I think like the team is extremely aligned and I think that the the team members are all giving it their best. And so like, you know, when you keep that in mind, every single day you just wake up and you you know you have to do your best because everyone else is giving it their all and we we can't have done all this for nothing you know like so. I, I love that i <laughs> yeah. I've, I've also been a part of uh i was fortunate enough to be a part of an incredible startup that that did very well and grew quickly and nice. i often get asked by friends what was work life culture like what was the balance blah 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 and the one thing i always tell them is and this happened before covid i don't think we could have done this if we couldn't have been in a room hauling ass and grinding together do you guys think yeah. you could have, like even this last little five month stretch you just talked about in Malaysia, like without being in person and feeling the energy and and just the the synchronization of being able instead of me you know getting on Slack or whatever comms you know software to be like yo Kenny I need this from you or hey Kenny I need your help with this or you asking me blah 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 just being able to tap you on the shoulder and be like yo Kenny check this out. Like that, you know what I mean? Like I, you just, you can't yeah. put a price on that. And a lot of people, a lot of startups are all like, oh, you can build all around the world. And I do think you can, but you still can't put a price on building together in a singular structure and hauling ass. There's nothing like it. And it's so much fun. I agree. I totally agree. At the same time, it's unsustainable. Like there's no yes. way I could ask the team to do this for a full year. Like of that that's way too much, right? But when the moment comes, right? When the timing is, when it's necessary, like this is definitely a much more effective alternative to remote work. But it has to be done in responsible sprints. Yes, well said. <laughs> Last thing, P0X Labs, give us the elevator yeah. pitch on what you and the team are doing there. Yeah, so P0X Labs, right, is a um, development firm specifically uh, focused on uh, developing on the cryptography side for zero-knowledge proofs, as well as uh, just general full-stack development. And so, you know, we're pretty much uh, working on all the different projects that are related to Manta Network and the Manta ecosystem uh, right now. And so, yeah. Love it. Kenny, what an episode. This was a hell of a lot of fun. I wish we had more time and cannot wait to have you on for round two, my friend. Um, enjoy the Lunar New Year. It's Lunar New Year, correct? Yes, in, enjoy. One one day I got to get to Hong Kong for that or at least China for that. That just seems like so much fun. Um, but until then, can you please let our listeners know where they can find you personally and Manta Network and P0X online and on socials? Yeah, sure. So the best place to start is on Twitter, right? Manta Network is just at Manta Network and I am at Super Anonymous K, the letter K. Um, you know, as you guys dive into the ecosystem, if you're on the developer side, please reach out to me. We are very hands-on with helping our projects grow. Uh, and if you're on the community side, as you're trying out the applications, as you're getting your hands dirty with, you know, our network, then if you have any feedback, please leave them in our community channels on Telegram or on Discord, because we actually, we, we are very active in listening to the community. We actually, I actually have meetings with community managers on a daily basis just to be able to continue to receive feedback from users so that we can continue to use that to integrate into our development cycle. So yeah, I mean, Twitter's the best place to start. Yeah. Amazing. Kenny, thank you so much. Truly a great episode and can't wait for round two. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is great. Folks, what an episode with 
Kenny Lee, co-founder of P0X Labs and core contributor for Menta Network. He was absolutely on fire all episode long. We talked about the future of modularity, everything modularity, decentralization, scalability, security, ZK, UX, you name it. We talked about it. Huge shout out to Kenny and the team for making this happen. To the listeners, if you guys enjoyed this one, and I hope you did, please do subscribe to my team. Love you guys. Thank you for everything. Eustace, you are the man. Best sound editor in the world, the true goat. And back to the listeners. Love you guys. Keep on growing those bags and keep on staying healthy, wealthy, and happy. Bye for now, and we'll talk soon.